We'll be bouncing around a lot in the Scriptures tonight. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at the two areas, the miracles and the blessings, and how the blessings come as a result of our obedience to the Word of God. But miracles come as we obey His voice. Last week, we looked at the Word of God and seeing how that is to guide us and to lead us and how we can walk in that more and increase our obedience to it. Tonight, we'll look at the voice of God and how we can increase that more in our life. Of the two, the, between the voice of God and the voice of the Word of God, it is more important, it is most important that you first off learn the voice of the Word, that the Word of God would speak to you. And the reason that it is most important is because the Word of God is always the same. It's steady. And if you have the Word of God in you, then you have a base comparison. You have something to compare everything else to. Christians want to go off and they want to learn the voice of God first. They can learn the wrong voice. And then the Word of God will never make sense to them. And they'll never have a basic comparison. It's best that we first off learn the Word of God. Learn its voice. Learn how it speaks to us, how it leads us, and how it guides us. And as we learn that and walk in those things, then as the voice of God begins to speak to us and lead us in ways, we have something to compare it to. But as we went over, there are times that the voice of God is going to speak to you and lead you in areas where the Word of God does not speak. And that's why you must be well-versed in the Word of God so you can tell the voice of God as it leads you in those directions. But there are some things that are just not specific enough. What job should you take? What car should you buy? What house should you get? Things of that nature. You're not going to find that in the Word of God. It's not going to say, Thou shalt take this job. Thou shalt not buy that car. Things of that nature. That's just not going to be in there. So there's, there's areas where the voice of God is still necessary. There's also areas where the voice of God will come up, as we already looked at, where, the, where miracles were involved, and they were told to do things that you didn't find any foundation for in the Word of God. Where's the foundation to go wash in the River Jordan seven times? Where's the foundation for throwing the piece of wood, the stick, into the lake that an axe head would float? Where is the Word of God? It talks about stretching out your body over the dead person's body, seeing it come back to life. Where is the Word of God that says strike the rock so that the water would come out? So there are things that the voice of God will lead you. But see, that's it, it's not backed up by the Word of God or that you don't have any kind of comparison to in the Word of God. And that's why it's so important that you get to know the voice of the Word and see where the two come together. Because then you begin to learn His voice. And as the Word of God says, My sheep know My voice. And as you learn that voice, then you say, this is God. This is God going here. This is God talking to me. This is God speaking to me. And if we're going to develop our spirit, then surely we've got to hear the voice of the Spirit. We've got to know what He's talking about. So we have the voice of the Spirit in four different areas here. The first is revelation. Revelation is the act of revealing or disclosing. The act of revealing or disclosing. This is from the Holy Spirit to us. Holy Spirit reveals things to us, to our spirit. In John 16 and verse 13, He says, However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak and He will tell you things to come. Now, there are some things to come that are in the Word of God, but there are some things to come that are not in the Word of God. 
we know that the end times have been well documented and we have a lot of things about that. But other than that, you know, the things that are going on right now, the things that went on 10 years ago when they were future, 20 years ago when they were future, they weren't necessarily in the Word of God. But we had words that came out and people had, had uh, prophesied of things that were to come and we saw them come about. Sometimes we did. Some people predicted some things that did not come about. But you could tell who was, who was speaking things and we all know that over the course of time, how many, how many dates have we heard about the end time? Different ones coming out with different years and different times. And, and I, Well, we would know from the Word of God that first off, that's false. And just not to, not to know it. So we know the voice of God is not going to lead us there. And that's, why you, that's how you get to know those, those things. But still, some people will know the Word of God, but they'll let a voice take them other ways. We've seen some false doctrines, some heresies that have come out. That the Word of God would tell you that's not the voice of God. You know, one uh, very prominent minister out in Tulsa, Oklahoma got off on some things in this area. That everybody is saved. No one's lost. Began to teach these things to his church. And different ones around the city of Tulsa began to rise up and tell them, no, that's not so. And he should have known better just knowing from the Word of God. But he believed it because the voice of God said this to him. And he goes back to the time when he was watching on TV and seeing the, the hunger and the famine and all the different things were going on and the voice his voice came up on the inside of him and spoke and he believed it and he acted off of that opened himself up for that don't do that don't let the voice on the inside of you lead you contrary to the word of god i get so i used to get I should say the pastor used to get so aggravated people now ah you want to go out there go ahead that's okay but Used to really aggravate me just to the point I just kept trying to convince them. But sometimes you hear people and they'll say, I feel like God's telling me this. And I tell them, well, that just can't be true because look at the Word of God says it. Well, I know that the Word of God says that, but I know this was God. So I don't get frustrated anymore. I just tell them. Well, if you want to listen to a wrong spirit, go ahead. Now, they'll get on me and they'll say, I'm just being dogmatic and I just have to be right and all that sort of stuff. And let them. They don't bug me. I really don't care who thinks I'm right or who thinks I'm wrong. It just doesn't bother me. Used to. But it doesn't bother me anymore. You could all think I'm wrong. And if I know from the Word of God that I'm right, you aren't telling me different. Now, if I just got it from the Spirit of God, I can be open to correction a lot more. But if I have it from the Word of God and I know the Word of God taught me in two, three, four, five different areas and exemplified it in two, three, four, five different areas, you're going to have a real tough time shaking me off of it. That just, it won't, it won't go. And we ought to be that way. If you know something to be true in the Word of God, and if something's going to, somebody's going to prove to you different, they need to prove it to you from the Word of God. Because if I have Word of God on it, I don't care what voice you've got. The Word of God trumps all. That's the big one. So you can say, oh, well, I, I, I was praying and God woke me up in the middle of the night. I know it was God. And I was praying God and then I saw these things. And I saw this and I really don't care what you saw. I mean, people could see something in the Spirit and see me doing something. And I say, yeah, I was doing I was there. I was in that place. Well, God showed me this. See, I, I wouldn't care about that. The devil can show you stuff like that too. That's not going to prove a doctrine to me. But people do that, they mystify it. They'll try and get in there and, and they'll tell you, I saw you when you were on your knees praying before God and you said this. I did say that. 
how did you know that? Well, God heard your prayer and this is your answer. And they give you an answer and it's against the Word of God. Laugh in their face. I don't care how strong of a believer they are. Laugh in their face if it's against the Word of God. The Word of God trumps all. If you don't have that attitude, then when you get into the voice of God, you can be misled. You've got to have that attitude. The Word of God is the Word of God. I really don't care what revelation you got. I don't care where you saw me or what you heard me say. That's not going to trump it. This is the main thing. But you see, And if you have that and you're solid on that, and you know what the voice of God says, then you don't get led astray so easy. Because there are areas in which the Spirit of God will, uh, well, someone will come in the saying that they heard the voice of God for you. And they'll tell you things of that nature. And, and don't do it. Fear is quite a motivator, isn't it? Don't get into fear, folks. Don't get into fear. Now, how many of y'all noticed just this week how much things have changed? Politically, our, our current president campaigned on the idea of hope and he is, his words were to get out of fear. Do you hear the words that he said this week? Words to put you in fear. If we do not pass this, those are words of fear, folks. You know why? Because the longer this, does, this uh, thing didn't get passed, the more people looked at it. Some of the stuff that's in this package, folks, it should scare you. It should scare you to understand our president did not write this. Congress wrote it. All those things started in the House. But they wrote it. He did not have a hand in writing. He turned it over to people to write. And they wrote it. I think he has an idea, at least some, I don't think everybody has an idea of all that's in there. But do you all know that national health care is in this stimulus package? And the idea of it and the wording of it is such that if an older person has a condition that will cost more than they have years left and is deemed worthwhile, they will be denied medical care that is in this stimulus package. It's amazing how much stuff is in this thing that people don't know about. I don't know of it all. I'm not trying to tell you that I know of it all. I know some. I don't think there's a person up there in Congress who knows it all either. And these all are voting yes or no. They have the responsibility to know what's in there before they vote. And to try and run something like that through on fear is irresponsible. But that's a motivator. They, I mean, President Bush, when he was in office, and Congress then, used fear as a motivator. If we do not do this, all the economy will collapse, right? So everybody pushed it on through. Now we're back in the same thing. If we don't do this, all the economy is going to collapse. Don't get motivated by fear. See, we're used to this now. And they use it in these kind of places. Do not be motivated by fear. Don't let things do that. Find out. What does the Word of God have to say on it? You, you have time. Get into the Word of God. Get into the Word of God on this thing. See what it has to say. And somebody comes on up, and I've seen more Christians, especially young ones, get so misled. Somebody will come up and they seem spiritual. Of course, it always aggravates me when people have that air of spirituality about them. You know, they just walk around like they're on clouds. And just don't touch me, I'm in the Spirit. You know, that whole thing. I, it just irritates me. I just want to go up and touch them. <laughs> that's just flesh. That's not spiritual. That's, that's just flesh. <laughs> I don't want to give into that. But then they, they get into this thing and, they'll, and they'll, they'll give you something good to get you to bite. And that'll work out. 
And then they begin giving more and more. If anyone gives you a word from God and it is fear motivated, it is wrong. I don't care what the rest of it is. It is wrong. Now, the only exception for that, the only exception for that is when the Word of God comes and pronounces judgment for something that you did that the Word of God says this will happen. If that produces fear in you, good. <laughs> Should have wised up anyway. But there's other people who come up to you and, and they start with this word. This, this, God has shown me that you're going to have a car wreck this week and your life is in danger. Please. Don't give in to fear. Don't give in to fear. Don't let fear be a motivator. God has not given us a spirit of fear. That is in all things. Don't you get into a spirit of fear with our economy? Now this one's a battle for me. Not the economy. But do not get into a spirit of fear with all these stimulus packages they pass. <laughs> Dear Lord, I'm battling that one. Because I know some of the things that are in there. and mm, it's, it's, it's rising up on the inside of me. I have considered moving. Not seriously. <laughs> Dear, but yeah, where, where are you going to go? I mean, I mean, if this thing falls out, it's the whole world's gone. I mean, it's just. Uh, oh man, I'll tell you, whatever we're, what we're doing in our country is just the this, this stuff we're doing. Oh, it is, but it's all fear motivated. Don't get into fear motivation. We don't want to do that. Stay out of it. However, when He, the Spirit of Truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. Revelation. He is going to give you revelation. Revelation will enlighten. does not darken by putting you in fear. It enlightens you. Oh, if I stop doing that. Oh, oh if I get out of that. Then, the, oh, it enlightens. That's what revelation should do. Let the Spirit of God lead you into that. Well, proclamation. The act of indicating or making known publicly or openly. The act of indicating or making known publicly or openly. This is from the Holy Spirit to others through us. This is the voice of God. From the Holy Spirit to others, but through us. Proclamation. 1 Corinthians 12.10, we have the gifts of utterance that are mentioned there. In there we have the gift of prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. This is taking the Word of God that is meant for others through us. You see, you do not have the word of prophecy for yourself. You do not have the, the gift of tongues and interpretation for yourself. It's for others. Maybe there's a few times that God has, has used it otherwise, but for the most part. If a word of prophecy comes to the church, it's for the church. If a word of tongues comes to the church, the interpretation is for the church. Sometimes it's, the interpretation is for a few in the church, maybe a prophecy is for, for a few in the church, but that's all right. It's still for that church to hear. It's still for that group of people to hear. God is speaking to them, to, to the whole people, through you. This is proclamation. So you've got to make sure that you hear. Now, Paul in his, his exhortation on spiritual gifts has told us to make sure that you prophesy according to your faith. According to your faith. Don't get beyond it. Know where your level of faith is and prophesy accordingly. And sometimes we hear somebody and they get on up and they prophesy according to their level of faith. And they prophesy things for the whole body of Christ and, 
and judgment that might come or blessings that might come or, or things that are future. And you get up there, ah, I'd be able to do that. And you get something in your spirit and you go off and do that. You ought to know, <laughs> that can't be God. That's beyond my level of faith. I know that's not where I'm at. That's not where I'm operating right now. Now, eventually, there's going to come a time when you go from exhortation, comfort, and things of that nature, and you move into things in the future. That's in the, the uh, gift of prophecy, the office of a prophet. There'll be times that that'll happen. It doesn't happen for everybody, but there are times that it will happen. And there's always a first time. So just because you never have done it doesn't mean you never should do it. But prophesy according to your faith. Your faith will grow. Now Paul says that he says he, that he desires that most of you would prophesy. How many? He desires that all, all would prophesy. Now let's take a look at some of these things in the instruction area. Because it's beside the gifts of utterance that are there. We have the instruction areas. These are outside the gifts. This is not prophecy. This is not tongues. This is not interpretation of tongues. This is not someone standing up saying, Thus saith the Lord. This is someone who's just out there teaching or whatever. The first area of this is teaching. In the area of instruction. Acts 13 and verse 1. Now in the church that was at Antioch, there was a certain prophet, there were certain prophets and teachers. Certain ones. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, who had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. These were certain prophets and teachers. 1 Corinthians 12, 28. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, secondly prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administration, varieties of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? So are all intended to be these? No, not all are intended to be a teacher. Not all are intended to be an apostle. Not all are intended to be a prophet. Not a one who prophesies, but a prophet. James chapter 3 and verse 1, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, (laughs) knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. Now this is talking about a formal role of being a teacher. In the body of Christ. He says, don't let all of you do it. Understand, if you pick that mantle up, there is a stricter judgment that will come on you. Glory to God. (laughs) Now we're in 2 Peter chapter 2. But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies even denying the Lord who brought them or who bought them and bring on themselves swift destruction. Well, there's that judgment he was talking about. But there will be false teachers just as there were false prophets among you. And they're going to come on in secretly. Secretly. It seems amazing to me that a lot of people who have false teaching know it doesn't agree with the Word of God and teach it anyway. Now, I will tell you this. There have been times I have seen things in the Word of God, have revelation on things in the Word of God, see something, but also see some areas of Scripture that cause me to not know which way to go on it. And when I hit those areas, I don't teach on them. I may know for sure that I'm right. In my spirit, I may say, I know that this is right. But because I don't have full revelation of the other Scripture that seems to go differently, I don't teach on it. Not until I get revelation on another scripture. Not until I know. Because I don't, if somebody came on up 
and stood them up and used that scripture and said, what about this? And I could not produce an answer for them. I'm wrong. I have to have that answer. I have to know that. See, see, there's a lot of people out there who have false teaching and know it's false. Or at least know that somehow it doesn't agree with all areas of Scripture. What you teach ought to agree with all areas of Scripture. And you ought to know it. But there's false teachers out there. Just know, folks, that there's false teachers. Don't be surprised. What do you mean? They're a teacher. It's false? Yeah. It's false. Well, teaching. Hey, preaching. Next area. Most folks uh, may not even know that there's a difference between the two, but of course there is. Acts chapter 5, verse 42. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and Teaching and preaching. If they're both the same, why does he say both? Why not just use them interchangeably? Teaching and preaches, G- preaching Jesus as the Christ. Acts 28, verse 30 and 31. Then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him. So see, right from there, we can tell from Scripture, you should never buy a house, you should only rent. <laughs> now see, that's false doctrine right there in the making, isn't it? <laughs> Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ. With all confidence, no one forbidding him. So preaching the kingdom of God. Preaching the kingdom of God. And teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ. Now generally I've heard it broke down this way. That preaching is more proclaiming those things that are. And teaching is line upon line, precept upon precept, explaining those things. So proclaiming and explaining. There are sometimes you have people that have come on out. Now, now Philip. Now, see, some people ask, why do you bring Philip out so much? Because Philip's different from me. <laughs> now, Noel's pretty much the same as me. All right? I, I know that. And, and there's a little bit of differences here and there. But pretty much, you know, Noel's in my, in my ball court and Philip's in a different one. <laughs> He's out there. <laughs> but you see, you, say, you need that sometimes. You need folks to come on in. I'm not a Philip. <laughs> I don't look at Philip and say, oh, I want to become like that. I'm totally com- content not being Philip. Totally content not being Philip. And you know what? Philip is totally content not being me. <laughs> He's okay with that. And that's all right. He's a preacher. He comes on in and he just proclaims things. He doesn't teach line upon line, precept upon precept. He just comes on in and proclaims things. I like folks who know their role. And stay with. Doesn't mean one's better than the other. Amen. Doesn't mean that I'm better because I'm a teacher. And Philip's a second class citizen because he's only a preacher. <laughs> Noel's better than, than Philip because he's a teacher. It doesn't mean that at all. D- different things come in for different, different stuff. You have prophets. Where do prophets fit in there? They all come in and fill a need. And you need that. You need to have that, those things that they bring. So I like bringing Philip in. I like bringing people. Now I bring Doug in. Brother Doug is just about the same as I am. He's just better. <laughs> but there's, a, there's, there's other ones out there that are more of a, a proclaimer, more of a preacher. See, if I'm going to bring in an outside speaker, I've got to know why they're coming. I've got to know why that they're here. 
I don't just bring somebody in just to bring somebody in. Why would we have so-and-so out? I have to establish that first of all. Why should we have so-and-so out? You know, people all the time want to come up and say, hey, but I know so-and-so and they would come on out to the church and, well, that's great and all, but i got to know, why are they going to come out? Why are we going to have them? What is the role that they need to play here? What is it that they need to do for you? And that's what we, what we need. You need a preacher in, in your life. You need someone who comes in and just proclaims things. I don't often come in and just proclaim things. Now, I've had it. So I, I very much know my role as a teacher. I am very comfortable in my role as a teacher. I know I'm not called to be a traveling teacher. A traveling teacher for me is not challenging enough. It's, it's just not. I would be bored. It wouldn't take me two, three weeks out in the road, I would be bored. I said, dear Lord, put me back into church. Now, if God ever called me to do that, it would be different. But you see, a traveling, a, a traveling teacher goes around and generally they get something from God and they teach that for a year, two years, three years, whatever it is. And then they get something else from God and they go off and they teach that. Sometimes some of them will have four, five, six different things they might teach. But they're going to be around those things. Now, I don't. I, I focus on a lot of different things and, and I like that. And you all draw off a lot of different things and, and, and I like that. But I, have, I know my role and I'd, I've compared myself to other, not, not to say, you know, I'd be like this or I've compared myself sometimes to other teachers and some of the things that they, they do or don't do or, or whatever it might be. And I know as a rule for most teachers that are out there that I teach on a greater percentage of the Bible than most. As far as most of them are out there. You go on through and you count all the scriptures up that we've covered in the time that we've been here. I cover a greater range than most. Not all. There's probably some other ones out there that do it. But I am very public of those ones that I am not called to teach. In fact, I've gotten people who've gotten upset at me and called me up even. And said, I'm upset with you that you said you don't teach from that. That's all right. You can get upset with me. I don't care. Somebody else will come on in and do it. You know, there's about five books of the Bible I don't teach much from. There's a couple I avoid altogether. Now, there's a reason for it. It's not that I don't think that they're any good, but I don't have an anointing to teach them. And I definitely can tell. I mean, Psalms is one I don't feel particularly anointed to teach, but I'll get into it every once in a while. And I can tell the difference when I get into a Psalm from when I get into something else. On the inside of me, I can tell a huge difference. Well, we're teaching on that. It's much better if I just go into Psalms for a verse or two than if I try and teach on a whole Psalm. It's far better for you and for me. <laughs> it's just better. Now, Song of Solomon, I know some things about that book that are not taught. I know some things about that book. People do not teach it. But I'm not called to teach that book. I'm not even called to hardly study that book. I do study it for my own personal thing, but... I'm not even called hardly even study it for teaching purposes. Job, I'll get into him a little bit. But, but not, not a whole, Lamentations. And if you go through, you'll find out there's a theme. The ones, the books they consider to be poetry books. I understand there's not much anointing on me to teach them. Now there's anointing, there's, there's godly anointing on them. They're good books and I never tell people to avoid them. But I already teach on more areas of the Word of God than most people do, but I still have folks that will focus on the ones I don't. Because I've said which ones they are. Well, I just recognize that that's just not an area I'm really called to teach in. I'm not really gifted in. Other people are. And they do a better job at it. Glory to God. Let them go. 
Go teach it. Doesn't bug me at all if we bring in somebody and they're anointed to teach the Psalms and they light up the Psalms and you all come out here and get all excited. That won't motivate me next week to get into the Psalms. I'm totally okay with not teaching them ver verse by verse, line by line in the Psalms. Song of Solomon. Lamentations. Ecclesiastes. Things like that. I'm okay. Other people have an anointing for that and glory to God for it that they have it. Because there's truths in there and there's things to, to get into. But I know what kind of a teacher I'm supposed to be. I'd hear people say, I need to hear you preach more. And sometimes an anointing comes on me and I can do what some people consider to be preaching. But believe, believe me, it's not, it's not preaching. I'm not called to be a preacher. I am called to be a teacher. I'm not just here. I can't just proclaim something. I must get into it and line by line teach it. Other people do. Jesse Duplantis, he's an exhorter. You would consider that pretty much a preacher. He doesn't go line by line teach. He, no, he does it well. I'm sure he could be a phenomenal teacher if he decided to. But he understands his calling, his role, and he stays with it. And you go out to a Jesse Duplantis meeting, he's not going to do a series of meetings. He's not going to do um, Monday through Saturday and teach on a, t on a topic. He's going to come in one night. I don't, has he ever been someplace two nights? I don't hear him be. He's in one night and he's gone. He's off to the next spot. He's just in there to fire you up, get you going. It's all right. Teaching and preaching. There's always different styles of those, but these are, these are different ways to go. But you may say, well, I'm not a teacher. I'm not called to be a teacher. I'm not called to be a preacher. And then here's the third way. We had teaching, we had preaching, we have explaining. I just put, that's my terminology I put on it. But if you go over to Titus chapter 2, Verse 1, but as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. He's speaking that to who? Titus. Paul's writing this to Titus. But as for you, he's speaking to Titus. Titus is a pastor. But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. That the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, and in patience. The older women, likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. Teachers of good things. Now, before, did he not say that not all of you should become teachers? Did he not say that not all are teachers? So why does it take all the women, all the older women, and categorize them and you ought to be teachers? Doesn't that go against what he's already taught? Teachers of good things. That they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Well, there he's explaining what they ought to be teaching. That they are to basically get into people's... Uh, the, the older women are supposed to get into the faces of the younger woman and explain things to them. It's not always in a woman to know how to love their husband. It's not always in them to know how to love their children. It doesn't just come naturally. Sometimes you need an older woman to come on in and explain things. What you're doing, that's not love. Quit it. Here it is. This is what you need to do. And get in and you tell them those things. To be discreet. How many of you know some younger women who need teaching in this area? <laughs> Chaste. Homemakers. It doesn't come naturally. Good. 
obedient to their own husbands. That doesn't come naturally either, does it? That the Word of God may not be blasphemed. So here we've got a whole group of people, the older woman, and he says, y'all need to be teachers. Well, explainers, we'll put it into you that way, that you need to get in there and explain. We're all called into things and to be explainers. You folks that are more mature need to explain to others who are not. There's explaining that needs to be done. Hebrews 5, verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, but I thought not everybody was supposed to be teachers. You need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Well, we're supposed to be teachers. You are not just called to be taught all the time, but we are to go out and to be explainers. We'll put it to you in that terminology. Not that you have to get up in front of a group of people and teach, but that one-on-one, one-on-two, one-on-four, whatever number it is, you get a small group of people together, you get a one-on-one conversation, and you begin to explain the things of the Word of God, the things that you know. Because I'm sure that some of you, all of you, know things now that you didn't know a year ago, five years ago. And you can explain those things to other people. So you want to take it and sharpen it in yourself. Father, I want to be ready that when I begin to explain this to someone else, I can do it. And so you studied out to get ready to explain it and to put that into someone else's hands and to pass that on to other people. So, you got the teachers, the preachers, and the explainers. And we need to be in those, those things. But again, 1 Corinthians 14.1 Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Well, desire that utterance gift. Get into that. That's the voice of God speaking through you to other people. And so this is part of the voice of God is getting into this area of the proclamation. Not just revelation. Thank God the Holy Spirit is the revealer of things. But not only revelation, but proclamation that you get up there and you begin to speak that out. And there's going to be times that the Word of God comes to you. Understand that the voice of prophecy is not always on Sunday morning. Between 10 and 11 o'clock. It can be Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. And that Spirit can come up on the inside and He can come in to, to proclaim this, say this, declare this. And you're still going to have to overcome some, some things on the inside of you. I don't, want to, I don't want to draw attention to myself. I don't want to do that. But you've got to listen to the voice of God. Don't sit there and second guess Him. Well, the third area is emanation. Something that issues from a source. Something that issues from a source. We have the Holy Spirit as our source. And things begin to issue from that source. Power. Authority. These are things that are to issue from us. From the Holy Spirit. For others. Through us. From the Holy Spirit. For others. Through us. This is to minister to them. For them. This is to take. This is something that is for them. This is not just going to speak to them. This is going to minister to them. Acts chapter 3 and verse 6. And Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. What I have. What I have. What I have I give you. 
He has it because He is tied into His source. And from that source emanates something from Him. Something from the Spirit of God. Emanation. John chapter 4. Well, we'll just go over that. We don't have to read all that part of it. It's a whole lot of it. The reference is in there if you want to read this later on. But in John chapter 4, Jesus comes to the well. And the disciples go into town to get some food. And so Jesus is left alone. And a woman comes to the well. And she's ready to draw some water. And Jesus says to her, draw me out some water. Why are you being a Jew asking me a Gentile to draw you out water? Or a Samaritan, I guess. Actually. And, and uh, he says, if you knew who asked you, you would ask of me to give you living water. And then, of course, you know the whole conversation that went up. How, do you, how are you going to draw? You don't have a bucket. And all these kind of things. And, and Jesus began to speak into her life. Well, first off, he listened to the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God says, ask her to pull out some water. Now, whether he knew the rest of it or not, I don't know. But he, li- he listened and he obeyed. And he did that. And then more things began to, to come from that. And every time that she answered or she asked a question or she answered something, he had something that came up on the inside of him. And that would come out. Do this. And he would say that. And she kept trying to get it off into other things. And he had a way to bring it right on back. The Spirit of God gave that to it. And so finally he says to her, go get your husband. Come on back out here. And she says, I have no husband. You've answered right. You've had quite a few. <laughs> and the guy you have now, he's not your husband. You're just living with him. Now where'd that come from? That's the voice of God. Came up in Jesus. And Jesus, because of his faith, was able to speak that out. If the word of God came to you about about that, about a perfect stranger, would you say it? You never even met this woman. And here you are calling her out. You've had a whole mess of husbands. And now you're just living with a guy. Well. Now, some of us, we would be sitting there arguing. I'm not going to say that. I don't even know who this person is. Why am I going to offend them? Now, Jesus doesn't do that. He just goes on. But see, that's the voice of the Spirit of God. Now, where's the Word of God on that? Did Jesus think back in the Old Testament about someone else who had all these husbands? It was now living with someone? You got called in the carpet by God? I can't think of that. He allowed these things to emanate through Him. They were for someone else. But they came through Him. God is going to have some things that are for other people. But they will come through you. And the voice of God will speak them to you. Sometimes He'll just speak things to you that you know in the Word of God. But sometimes He'll speak things to you that are outside the realm of the Word of God. And that's why you've got to know His voice. And be ready to speak those things out. Last one is direction. To manage or conduct the affairs of. To cause to move toward a goal or aim. To manage or conduct the affairs of. God is out to manage and conduct your affairs. He wants to cause you to move toward a goal or a certain aim. That's what He wants to do with you. And He's going to bring people along your path. He's going to bring teaching along your path. He's going to bring things along your path that will do this. You've got to be listening. And you've got to be hearing. Some other definitions for direction. To have or take charge of. To give authority. To, I'm sorry. To give authoritative instructions to. To direct the student to answer. Or to show or indicate the way. 
to show or indicate the way. This is what the Holy Spirit is here to lead you, to direct you, to take you along the way. He has a certain goal, a certain aim He wants you to have. And He wants you to get in that direction. And so He's going to take you along in that way. This is from the Holy Spirit for us. From the Holy Spirit for us. Elijah was directed to the widow's home. God directed him to the widow's home. Jesus even bragged about that. There was no other widow in all Israel. He took him out to another land. Jesus was led into the wilderness. That's a direction from the Holy Spirit. Paul was directed to go to Macedonia. He was going to go someplace else, but he was directed to go into Macedonia. Well, Psalms 37.23 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. So your steps are going to be ordered of the Lord. But you've got to let those steps be ordered. You've got to hear that voice of the Spirit. And you've got to follow after it. You've got to take that, that direction. You've got to go in that way. And there'll be times that it'll be uncomfortable. There'll be times... Well, I'll tell you what. I wish people would get a hold of this a little bit more. The importance of saying things. The importance of coming out of your mouth the things that come to your spirit. Sometimes that sets your direction. Sometimes the words that come up on the inside of you, we keep quiet too much. Because I don't want to become responsible for them to anyone else. I'm just going to keep quiet. I think that's what God's saying to me. I'm just going to keep quiet about that. Oh, you're you're losing some of the power. I learned this a while ago. Those folks who went through the teacher's class know I taught it to them. And since I've even learned it even more. But there have been times I've been in this very church. Standing up here. Teaching folks. And there have been questions I've had for the Word of God. How many of y'all know I have questions about the Word of God? I do not have all the answers. We have a Bible questions class. I could ask some questions in there. <laughs> Just understand, I'm not sitting there saying, I have all the answers. Nope, nope, nope. I have questions myself. There are things in the Word of God that I don't have answers yet. I think that's just the way we ought to be. That if you, the, the more you learn about the Word of God, the more questions you can ask. And questions are the way we build knowledge. You ask questions. Questions are important. But there have been times, I see, I know, I can't say I'm, I'm always mindful of all the questions I have, but generally I know the questions that I have. And I have been up here and felt down in my spirit and have proclaimed out with my mouth the thing that came down in my spirit. And I would often say, now next week we're going to get into what this is. And down on the inside I'm saying, dear Lord, I have that question all the time. I don't know what that is. <laughs> You don't know how many times that's happened. And I'll sit here and say, why am I saying that? I don't even know myself what that is. But see, if I think about it all the time, then I just, I, I'd be motivated by fear. Think, no, I know the voice of the Spirit. And the voice of the Spirit has oftentimes, at the end of a service or somewhere in the middle, or sometimes even when we begin a series, and I'm introducing the thing, and all of a sudden, out of my mouth will come a goal that we're going to have inside there. I said, dude, What? <laughs> We're going we're gonna to do what? <laughs> I don't know what that is yet. But you see, if I don't proclaim it out of my mouth, when it comes to me in my spirit, I don't set my direction. See, now I have to get that from God. But I don't even get nervous about it anymore. There have been times I said, now next week we're going to get into this. And all I can say is what I know in my spirit. What came up in my spirit. That's all I can say. But I know if I say what came up in my spirit, I'll be fine, even though I don't have revelation on it yet. 
even though I don't have an understanding on me yet. I'm okay. Because if I say what's in my spirit, whatever comes up will be in agreement with whatever he said. And I'll come on back there and get it next week. I'll never say a word to you about it. Never have, never will. You'll never know from one week to another if I say something at the end and I already have the revelation on it or if I don't. And I won't tell you next week when they come on back in. Just got that this week. I won't tell you that either. Don't need to. It just hypes up the natural aspect of things and you don't, you don't need to, to hype all that up. But you see, if I didn't do that, if I didn't say that out with my mouth, then I'm not set in my direction. Now, you all know, if I don't come up next week and teach on that thing, that you're going to be saying, hey, how come? How come you didn't? But see, sometimes we just got to set our direction with that. Sometimes you just got to set our direction. Brother Hagin, used to, he, he tells about the story of uh, before Raymond got started. And he was at some meeting. They were having some kind of camp meeting. And he was teaching. And out of his spirit, he spoke. And, and said, we're going to start a Bible teach, a, a minister training school. Later on, his son, his uh, daughter-in-law, and a few others that were, in the, uh, that were going around with him, said, I didn't know we were starting a minister's training school. And he said, what are you talking about? <laughs> well, you said we're starting a minister's, minister's training school. No, I didn't. Well, sure you did. You said it right in the meeting. I did not. I have no plans to start a minister training school. So they went back and they got the tape and they played it for him. And he said, well, if I said it, then we are. <laughs> and that was the story how it got, got going. See, sometimes you just need to set that direction out with your mouth. You can set direction with your mouth of things. How many times have we set our direction to be sick? Well, you can certainly set your direction to be well. Speak it out with your mouth. How many times have we confessed and set our direction towards confusion? You can just as easily set your direction towards wisdom. I'm so confused. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why God has me here. Where have you set your direction? Is that inspired by the Spirit of God? Nope. People come out, let out come out of their mouth. I'm nothing. I'm nobody. Nobody cares if I'm here. What direction have they set with their mouth? What should you be saying? I am the righteousness of God in Christ. God has placed me on this earth for a purpose. He has a will. He has a plan. He has an aim. He has a direction. He has a goal for my life. And I will know what that is. You can set your direction with the words of your mouth. So set them. Proclaim things. So what if it's not true yet? Using the example of the thermostat again, how often do you set your thermostat at a temperature different from what it is in the room? If you want it to be warmer, then you set that thermostat to be something different. You want it to be colder in the summer or warmer in the winter, you set it to be different. You call for 75 degrees. Might be 20 outside. Might be 60 in your house. But you want warmer. So you call for something warmer. Set that thing up. So call for something different in your life. Set a direction that's different. Stop, stop setting one for fear and, and all the other. I might lose my job. Look at all the people around me losing their job. Now, I know the unemployment numbers are getting up there. What are we up at 7% now? Do you know what 7% unemployment means? 93% of the people are working. 
Why is it that you focus and you're going to be one of the 7%? 7% of the people are not working. And I'm sure that's hard. If you're one of those 7%, 93% of the people are working. If we had it that 7% of the people had the flu, would it make the news? Even with our news people, I don't think they would make that a big, be a news, pe- news story. You could get up to 10%. 10% high unemployment. That means that 90% of the people are working. And do you know you always have unemployed people? Always have unemployed people. You'll never have... I mean, back when they had typewriters and word processors came out and you had typewriters and word processors, who won that battle? Word processors. So if you're a typewriter company and you decided not to diversify, you're just going to stay in the typewriting business because you believe that this was just a fad, what would happen to your employees eventually? They'd become unemployed. But the word processing company is picking up and employing people. So you always have people that are transitioning and moving over. That's why some of the stimulus stuff is, is wrong. Where you are rewarding the companies that fail and penalizing the ones that succeed. We should not do that. You cannot have an economy and reward the failures. Amen. You must reward those that are successful. It's kind of like over at FedEx. FedEx is doing deliveries right. And DHL apparently didn't do things <laughs> Right, because they got out of the business in this, this area. So what if the government came over and said, well, FedEx, you're doing so well, we're going to take 10% of your profits and give it to DHL because they need help. Is that fair? No, because they're doing it right. All you're doing is rewarding people for not doing it right and wasting money on them to get them to do it, do it not right longer. That's not right. You don't want to do that. Anyway, that's why you always have unemployed people. Because you always have people that are, you know, leave while well, I'm tired of this job, I'm going to go find me another. Mm-hmm. You're always going to have unemployed people. So 3 to 5% unemployment is pretty standard. You're going to have that. So don't get in fear. 7% unemployment, yeah, it's higher than we've had before. Because we've enjoyed some very prosperous years. Even though they didn't talk about them as such, we've enjoyed some very prosperous years. But even 90% of the people working is pretty good. I mean, just natural. What are the odds are you that are, you are in the 90%? In the natural. But we're not just looking in the natural. Amen. Don't speak, speak things out of your mouth. Well, I think I'm going to lose my job. Don't, don't set that direction. Always think about the words that you're saying because you are setting your direction. Don't set it wrongly. Don't set it in a, in a bad way. With your children, do not set a wrong direction. Do not speak things over them. You will never amount to anything. You will always be a failure. Why are you so stupid? What are you doing? You're proclaiming a direction. Don't do it. You got it. Well, that's an awful tough thing to hold. Just listen to the voice of your spirit. Listen to the voice of your spirit. Speak things over your, your kids that come out of your spirit. Otherwise, just learn to be quiet. I learned that lesson a long time ago. If you think I don't talk a whole lot now, I am a, a jabberjaw. Compared to what I was. Oh man, I tell you, I talk my head off anymore. I was quiet. It's sometimes better to be quiet. Because I've always learned to get my mind going before my mouth got engaged. Do that. Get your spirit going. What's my spirit have to say on that thing? Don't just speak the thing out. Think on it.
I learned a long time ago not to speak out of my emotions. Not to speak when I get mad. Not to speak when I get hurt. Not to speak when I get angry. My normal response is to say nothing. It's my normal response. I will wait. I will let my heart teach my mouth what to speak. Two sources of light. Psalm 119, 105, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Proverbs 20 and 27, The spirit of a man is a lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. Two sources of light. You need them both. Get them both working in your life. Get that word going so that you can hear and recognize the voice of God. And when that voice of God speaks in the inside of you, get ready to declare some things. Speak some of those things out. Do not speak out of your emotions. Do not speak out of your soul. Do not speak out of your flesh. Speak out of your spirit. Speak those things. Set that kind of a direction. Because you do set those kind of directions. Boy, we could just, we've spent time on, on vocal things and things with your mouth before. We don't really have to spend a whole lot of time on that. Hopefully just recall some things and you go over some of that. But oh, it's so important that the, the words that you use, the things that you say, they set your direction. They set your pace. They set where you're going. Get in the right direction. Father, we thank you for the help that you give us. We thank you for your word that is a light unto our path. We thank you for your spirit that you have given us to speak to our spirit. For the spirit is a lamp. Oh, we thank you for that lamp. We thank you for that light. Thank you, Father, that we do not go about this world in darkness. But we see where it's going. We know where it's headed. We can recognize it as it moves in that direction. Father, we're not going to get in fear. We're not going to be motivated by fear. We're not going to do things accordingly. We're going to do things because of Your Word. We're going to do things because of Your Spirit. We will listen to Your Spirit. And as Your Spirit tells us, all right, move over here and do this. Go over here. We'll do it. But not because people tell us. Not because the things outside of us tell us. Not because situations tell us. We listen to You. Oh, we thank You for the wisdom that You give us. Thank You for the direction that you give us. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.